0: Support for the Aero Podcast comes from Vima. Vima is a construction company with over fifty projects done inside and outside of the country. Later during a break, we we'll hear from a representative who talks more about Vima. You can find them at Vima-IR.com. That's V I M A-IR.com. The Invitation by Uriah Mountain Dreamer. This is the AR Podcast. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you've touched the center of your own sorrow, if you've been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it, or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and your toes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone and do what needs to be done to feed the children. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. Don't worry about being successful, but work toward being significant. And the success will naturally follow. Oprah Winfrey
1: and I had a lot of opportunity. I also felt guilt that I was taking a year off, so I wanted to make the most of that opportunity, and I knew that I wanted to learn as much as I can, and I was going to learn through experience and not through academia. So, I wanted to learn about art, basically. That was my objective. Because of the Farsi language, and again, because of things like war and engalab, we've been able to become unified to some sort, but we're not as unified as we should be as a nation. And that's all because uh, geographically we're positioned in a place where you would have so many different tribes making Iran all together.
0: It's such an amazing feeling to be back. I really miss you guys, but I've been doing work, and hopefully you'll see that in the upcoming weeks. A few days ago, I met a very interesting person. She was really easy to reach and was very welcoming. One of the most amazing people I've ever met, who has a lot of fresh ideas and is implementing them in an app she is the founder of. Piade is trying to have people to get to know this city better and to let them know about the events that are happening around them. It's a very popular application in my country. So without further ado, please welcome Lena Vafaye. This is the AR Podcast. describe to me where I am and what am I basically looking at?
1: Okay, so you're somewhere uh, geographically located in central Tehran uh, at the cross-section of Envelope Street and Pool Musa. As you may be aware, Envelope Street is one of the uh, more historical streets of the city, and it has a lot of um, uh, history and background attached to it. and uh, in, in this particular building that we are in right now is um, a building that was constructed in 1309, mm-hmm. close to 100 years old. And it was made during the first Pahlavi or late Baja era. Um, the architecture has obviously been changed throughout time, um, but it still has a very, um, um, I, I wouldn't say historical, but, uh, Modern, historical um, aspect to it, I guess. And uh, you are in my office. Um, as you can see, I haven't really painted the walls.
0: I, and I love that. The, yes. the thing is, being an architect, you kind of enjoy the little things in life. <laughs> so okay. when I come into the uh, to your office, the first thing I really enjoyed was the fact that your walls are completely nude, basically. Yes. There's no paint on it. That really, really got me. So yeah, I thought I, I thought good, good choice, very good choice. Well, good. the reason
1: was that uh, we decided to paint this office ourselves. So um, it's uh, four um, basically four units all attached together that makes our entire office space, yeah. and we have forty five people working in these four units all together. And uh, so when we were in our old office, uh, there was a volunteer team from our, from our own employees that said that they would do the, they would help with the renovations, and part of that renovation process was painting the walls. So we were able to paint the walls without, with a lot less of a cost than um, it would be if we had contracted it outside mm-hmm. to a contractor or uh, somewhere similar. Um, but then um, when our kids started painting, what we realized was that um, basically we underestimated the project. Yeah. And the project was much bigger than what they thought it would be. Yeah. So uh, as a first choice, I, was, uh, I said to them that some of the rooms can remain unpainted. And obviously because this was be my room, it could have been unpainted, not painted, because I wouldn't care much. Yeah. And, uh, but after a while, it started turning into its own style, and I just
0: left it slowly. Good. So yeah. Leave it. Yeah, it okay, looks, okay. It looks the only problem is that if you get close to it, it
1: has uh, some red- residues from the plaster, yeah. but I can paint something on top of it, like uh, something nude, like an acrylic yeah. color that's it's just, um, material. yeah, just to get rid of this. Um,
0: Yes. Uh, when I contacted your assistant, find uh, she said uh, like he you know, you'll be free at this time and everything was perfect. So I, I was thinking, what sort of office am I going to go to? Like you know, because I'm thinking like you know what you're doing is pretty modern in like you know in Tehran. So I'm thinking of a very modern building, with very like you know, I'm imagining stuff. Mm-hmm. So I come into the office and I'm like. Okay, this is not not what I had in mind. This is completely different. And uh, the sheer number of like young people who are working here is just at least forty five people. Yes, that's amazing. That's amazing to to basically gather all these people around each other. That's that's pretty nice because. I believe one of the factors that is really like helping your project is the fact that you've got a lot of young people with, lo- you know, with, with a lot of young ideas. Yes. You know, like around you and like they're coming up with ideas every day so... Exactly. Yep, young team really is amazing. Them?
1: It's a powerful team in my uh, belief and the it obviously has a lot of challenges uh, but it has a lot of long-term potentials yeah. uh, in my opinion. And I think the most important thing is that uh, because of the uh, social, um, um, the social environment that we have around us in Iran, um, a lot of the people growing up don't find communities where they can belong to, and the most important thing that Piada is giving to them is a community where they feel like they are a part of. And not only do they feel that way, they are actually a part of it, and they are contributing to it on a daily basis. And Uh, That all together brings a lot of synergy, brings a lot of potential, uh, and a lot of creativity, a lot of diversity, and it's definitely one of the main factors uh, driving our success
0: today. I see. Okay. Um, Do you think you are talented?
1: Mm, Talented? Uh, Well, yes, in certain fields. I guess (laughs) I could say I am talented. Of course. uh, But it depends on what we're talking about. So I'm not talented in... For example, I'm not a sports person at all, so I don't have, I don't have any talents. I don't have, any, I don't have much physical talents, yes, but um, I do have some talents.
0: The thing is, uh, I believe in this. Like, you know, Each and every one of us that come to this world, we have our own talents. We have to like, do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that like, you know, we have a lot of people who don't really realize what their talent is and they just, like, just let it be, mm-hmm. and they never realize it, basically. So I really respect people who have found their talents. Because yeah. I believe I haven't. Like I am still searching for the one talent that I'm like, you know, like, you know, I, I know I've brought to this world because of that. So uh, do you think you found the talent with Piade or is it like, you know
1: uh, I wanna say I found I found my talent with Piade because I think uh Piade one of the reasons that I was able to launch Piade was because I was aware of some talents that I had. And um, so you might be asking, what are those talents? Um, I know for a fact that I'm very creative. And I've learned through Piade that I am more of a creator versus someone, uh, for example, who would be a a research-based person. Mm -hmm. Uh, For whatever reason, right or wrong, I like to create things from the start, from scratch other than uh, trying to look at precedence and seeing what has happened in the world, uh, which is not that uh, always a good approach. I feel like somewhere in between they both have to meet, but for me, uh, being original and being, uh, creating new ways is a value. So I um, pay a lot of attention to it and obviously it's one of the things that makes me, me today. Yes. And um, so this is one of my talents, I guess. And, um, I don't know, the other talents, well, uh, again, through Pieda, i realized that um, I guess I could be um, good at managing and leader- leadership, and I guess that is something that is uh, driven from talent, um, and uh, especially the leadership parts, because management are skills that you can always learn. Thanks. And um, I'm um, talented at, um, I'm a good designer, uh, I don't practice design anymore, uh, and I never really professionally practice design, but uh, I've always had really good taste, uh, and these are things that people keep telling me, so...
0: Um, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you believe you have, you have good taste, or is it like... Uh, yes,
1: because um, I um, I guess it, um, it turns into, um, for example, I like my own taste, so I guess I do think I do have good taste, but it's... Mainly because uh, I'm telling you these things with confidence today because I've seen it in the mirror of others projecting them back at me and I've seen them numerous times. And now I feel like, okay, I can say that I do own this talent. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So whatever t- kind of type of talent that I may have, it's definitely within the uh, more of a creative dimension.
0: You uh, lived in another country. Fine. Uh, Did you uh, feel like, you know, the thing is, uh, I kind of believe that, like, the people of Iran, they're not not united. We are living in a city which, like, we we have a lot of, like, migrations to uh, Tehran or something. I don't know if that's the problem. I have no idea.
1: I can tell you what the problem is, actually. I've done research on it.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. So I'm asking the perfect person about this. Yeah. So it's,
1: Again, it's one of my own theories, which I've made from scratch, <laughs> but, okay, I understand. but it was actually research-based. Um, should I continue, or were you going to No, please something? tell
0: me, because yeah. um, I know whatever I would say is, it would be probably... Yeah, this,
1: uh, un, you know, the, the fact that we're not united is very visible, and you can't deny it, and I think everyone knows it. And it's one of the main reasons that we are still a developing country and we still have a really long way to go. And um, I think it's the main driving factor between pretty much all of our problems today. And um, so I had an opportunity at grad school. Um, I had a class with a professor who was a, um, he was teaching us about the history of cities, but he was a philosopher and um, great lectures. I learned so much from it. Um, So for the final paper, I had to, um, each one of us had to uh, work on um, a section, a part of history where we felt like something had happened uh, due to another, due to a contingent reason. So for example, because there were not enough potatoes in Ireland, People traveled to the United States and therefore made the United States. So if there hadn't become a um, famine in Ireland, if a famine hadn't appeared in Ireland, maybe the United States would not have been the way it is today. So I decided to focus on Iran, and um, I started looking into the fact that we have changed um, uh, our capital cities uh, 32 times, um, and we have the Guinness World World Record of that. And throughout our history, we've changed our capital city thirty-two times, that's and amazing. that's a lot. That's a big number. <laughs> and uh, well, obviously, looking into it a bit, and then referring back to what we have always we had learned in school, um, I I started realizing that we've had many different dynasties, and we've had many different emperors and uh, kings, or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and every time that basically, uh, I guess you could say, call it a dynasty, a dynasty had changed. Um, the capital would also change with it. So, because Iran is geographically positioned in a location where um, so many different empires and tribes and etc. had always been um, um, helping in the making of this particular land, uh, you had always had various tribes living here altogether, and these tribes were never united because they never really had to be because the concept of a nation was never a concept until very recently. Like, I think it's only been 200 years where nations have become something that uh, humans are looking at and believing in. So um, imagine 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago where you had this piece of land which was very vast during the um, Persian Empire, and it was made from different tribes, and all of these tribes at one time would have found uh, would have been able to uh, basically gain power uh, and control all of them, but they were controlling various tribes and they were not just controlling one tribe. And because uh, they didn't really respect or believe in the other tribes, they would obviously change their capitals because they want to say that we have the power and they would honestly not take into um, recognition that these other tribes are also living under the same name or flag or whatever it is. Um, and basically, uh, they would not really work towards unification of these tribes. But whereas if you go to um, European uh, countries, you could see that every uh, country was made of one tribe, mm-hmm. and that one tribe then turned into a country. Right, yeah. So they had unification from the very beginning. Imagine if all, us, if all of us today in Iran were Turks, or if all of us were Baguch or Kord, we would have so much more unification the way that they have unification. But basically, this never happened. And we've uh, through realizing that we've had a capital change throughout time, I realized that, okay, then this tribe thing is a big issue. Then this tribe thing is actually creating making us not, be, uh, not allowing us to become unified today until Reza Shah, I think it was, or I think maybe sometime in the Rajah era, the concept of Iran actually became Iran, and um, the um, so basically um, the country was formed, and we we knew that where, where we stood in this geographical era, and what our limitations were, and who's gonna be inside of these lands, and who's gonna be outside of these lands as a neighboring country. But we've always, but since then, we've never really worked into wanting to unify ourselves, but um, with the help of, for example, um, are uh, elementary school books where everyone is speaking one language, everyone is reading Baba ab nanda abdaliya, or yeah. however you say it. And um, because of the Farsi language, and again because of things like war and Engelab, we've been able to become unified to some sort, but we're not as unified as we should be as a nation. And that's all because uh, geographically we're positioned in a place where you would have so many different tribes making Iran all together. So, uh, this has a actually very historical and cultural mm-hmm. reason behind it, um, and yes, it's one of our biggest problems today, unfortunately. Right, so. Yeah. So, so. Uh, one of the resulting factors in a, a cultural dimension, I would say, or social dimension, is that, for example, today, if there is a problem in the city or the country, uh, any Iranian would uh, start thinking about their own benefits uh, before thinking about the benefits of the whole community as a whole or the whole nation. So, for example, they're always going to go like, what if it, what's in it for me? What's going to happen to me if I, for example, don't participate in the rising of the dollar? If I don't purchase dollars, everyone else is going to be purchasing it. So there's gonna be so I'm not going to get anything from it. I'm not going to benefit from it. Whereas if you had a higher vision, if you had unification, if you knew that if you all stopped purchasing dollars, it would benefit all of us greatly to great extent, then obviously we would have never been in this place. In this um,
0: situation, the same, yes. first place, yeah. So, fine. Uh, this was a, like, I was not imagining <laughs> This is, you know, this type of, like, description of the of the problem I was going to ask you, basically. So, uh, did you uh, think about this, and then you said, okay, fine, we need to have some sort of a website or something?
1: No, um, well, unfortunately. Um, well, I wouldn't say unfortunately. Uh, that just came out. Um, but this wasn't the driving factor behind Piada the, PIA, the, the reason that uh Piedra shaped was because of a disconnect between uh, locals and the city, and um, why I decided to focus on that is a whole different question.
0: So why did you? the thing is, the thing is, I asked I don't know if you saw it or not on the Instagram page and on Twitter. I I think I tagged you on Twitter too. I yeah. don't know if you saw it. Or not. Uh, yes, I asked a lot of people to like you know ask me questions like you know to uh, to be able to ask you. So uh, one of the questions was this and. Uh, I will basically mainly focus on that later on, but uh, here we are. So tell um, me. So
1: basically, um, again during school, uh, because I graduated, um, I studied my um, I spent my undergrad and graduate years uh, abroad. So I I wasn't in Iran for that. And um, I remember during school I took a year off uh, for uh, during undergraduate years and um, I traveled, uh, I used to live in Vancouver, I was studying geological engineering and uh, that was a um, um, basically um, a degree that I was not interested in and it was um, I liked engineering, I was good at engineering, I was good with numbers and um, it helped me structure my mind, definitely, and I, I already had structured my mind, but I wasn't into it, and I was mostly attracted to arts. And uh, so I decided to take a year off, and also the fact that Vancouver as a city was a very small city, and it was, um, it was t- actually um, t- pushing me towards a depression mode. So I really didn't want to be in that city anymore, uh, due to personal reasons, and I felt like I wanted to take a year off and go travel the world as much as I can. Obviously, I knew I couldn't drop from school and do that. Uh, my parents would not allow that, and I would not have the funds for it. But I decided to, um, in the form of an exchange student to other universities, in metro- um, coincidentally in metropolitan cities, I decided to travel. So the first one was in Toronto. So I went to Toronto in, I think it was September 2010. And uh, I stayed there for four to five months. I I was studying at the University of Toronto, taking some of my courses and some art courses on the side. And then after that, I moved to London. And um, I spent, I think it was six months there. And uh, again, I was focusing on my uh, courses um, at school. Like I was taking classes that was directly linked to my engineering program but I had a lot of time to explore. So what happened during those two um, semesters, or I would say a whole year, uh, was that I, um, so I knew that there was a lot of potential and I had a lot of opportunity. I also felt guilt that I was taking a year off, so I wanted to make the most of that opportunity. And I knew that I wanted to learn as much as I can, and I was gonna learn through experience and not through academia. So I wanted to learn about arts, basically. That was my objective. And so I started traveling, I started traveling the city, I started participating in uh, events as much as I could, um, going to different museums, galleries, um, even things that weren't related to art, because um, I realized that any any experience is adding to me as a person, and it's uh, building up my, um, basically, personality, my confidence, and it's making me become a lot more reassured of where I stand in the world. And uh, so I started experiencing things as much as I could during that year and um, one of the most amazing things that happened was that I, I was um, mostly in London, you could say, I was alone. I didn't have that many friends there and um, well obviously the people that I knew were all occupied with their daily lives and I was more of a, you wouldn't say tourist, but I uh, obviously didn't have as much as work that they did during that time. So, uh, I had a lot of free time and I could have either sat at home and felt homesick because I had the tendency of feeling homesick, or I could have just gone out and explore and I chose to go out and explore and soon enough the city became my friend and um, I started realizing that through this uh, relationship that I've developed with the city, I'm starting to just be exposed to so many different opportunities that it has to offer and when i say it has to offer i mean even the museum that's placed that's located in a city i think is an offering of the city because if that city didn't have that land if it didn't have that um um what do you call it character if it didn't have that program if it didn't have that vision it wouldn't have that museum to be offering it to you or any other program that's in the city, or even the streets, nothing even things that aren't um, designed to be there, but just happen to be there. And um, I realized that through these interactions, I'm gaining so many opportunities, and I'm being exposed to so much, and I'm learning so much. Even through the uh, experiences that I'm not enjoying, I'm actually learning more about myself through those experiences, because I'm realizing what I don't want to be, or what I don't want to do. And um, so basically, not only that happened, but then I realized that this friend of mine is not letting me down, I don't feel alone anymore, because I was—I uh, had started to feel scared of feeling alone, a fear that a lot of us have, especially people who live in the Western world, because life there is, um, after you go into college, you're basically on yourself, by yourself, until you start getting married. We don't have that, Um, In America or Europe, you don't have that sense of family with you after you pass 18. So all the homes are actually small units of individuals living, so this tendency of feeling alone is actually a very serious thing. Uh, But then I didn't feel alone anymore because the city was there and I actually felt it. And obviously it did help because um, London was a metropolitan city, it was always alive, which is again why I don't like small cities. Uh, I really do feel alone in small cities, but when it's as big as London or Toronto or New York or Tehran, I don't feel like you. I don't think you can feel alone for a second because you always know there are people outside, and this city is never sleeping. Yeah. And so I realized that, and that was a big potential that I had discovered. I had gained so much from it, and um, basically, it was a city lifestyle that I had learned. I hadn't learned back in Iran because we don't have it here. We are not that connected with our city. Uh, it takes a lot of effort for you to, one, put on some clothes and get out of the house, whereas um, it shouldn't be that way. It should be like you should just get out, just roll out of your home, you know, just roll out of bed. The same way you roll out of bed into your kitchen, you should roll out of your kitchen into the streets. And um, so when I moved to Tehran, when I moved back to Tehran after school, um, I had a year here. I was doing an internship program with an architecture uh studio, and um, I started exploring Tehran, and uh, for me it was um, really um, interesting because I grew up in northern Tehran, and I was actually raised in one of those families where my parents were very protective, and they didn't want me to go out into the streets and just explore by myself. My right to my um, uh, school was very limited. It was always... um, with supervision, even if I wanted to take the bike out, I just had to go like just a couple of streets across. I remember when I was 22 and I um, um, came to, me and my parents had came to central Taiwan to go to a cafe. I didn't even know where I was. I was so disoriented in the city. Nice. And that's coming from a person who is usually well oriented. I can read maps really well and I can always locate myself like I can tell you where north is and south is, but I had no idea where I was. and uh, So basically, I had a background where I had only interacted with northern Tehran and uh, Parkway and like just my friend's house and my family's, whatever, uh, events and activities that they had. And um, well, that was really bad. So I had this thirst of wanting to explore this whole, this vast city and I had the tools for it. I knew how to do it because I had done it before in other cities, and bigger cities, in uh, crazier cities. So I started doing that to Tehran, then I realized that, uh, okay, one, there is a lack of information because when I was in London, there were these all these websites and all these uh, digital tools that were actually uh, giving me so much freedom that I didn't have to call up someone and tell them to come with me to go to that place because I could have just gone and my freedom and my um, safety was guaranteed. But in Tehran, it wasn't that way because the information was not complete. Um, well, thank God we had Google Maps. Otherwise, I really don't think this would have been possible. But um, So I started exploring, and then I realized not only do we not have the information, but the, my friends and my family and the people that I keep t- talking to, uh, who I, whom I keep telling about these potentials that I'm finding in Tehran, don't know about it. And some of them don't even believe it. The ones that do believe it, they don't care. They Um, they feel like the qualities of these activities that are in the city aren't good enough for them to want to participate in in it. And they would, uh, well, um, this should be reminded that I came from a society that was mainly spending their times at home and like gatherings and events and that's how our leisure times were being spent. So there was this, I would call it a potential, I would call it a problem, they call it market gaps, um, but there was this thing that um, basically encouraged me and back then my partner to want to focus on this and to want to bring awareness to this life that Tehran has. Uh, Later on we realized that this is a problem and uh, later on we learned how to fix the problem without only resonating to a group of intellectuals or urban designers or, uh, let's say, a, a community of artists and, um, in, again, intellectuals who know that this problem exists, but we want everyone to know that this problem exists and we want everyone to want to target it and to want to build that relationship with the city so that they could both start benefiting from it the way I benefited greatly from those cities that I lived in for such a small period of time. And the way that I later on realized that it um, could actually help the city grow because once you have all these people engaged in the making of these cities and the life that's driven into it and um, through technology and the uh, with the theories of smart cities and um, cities being built bottom up, you can actually help with the growth of the city once you start once you get people to, uh, to actually start um, uh, making all this data and et cetera and et cetera, but it all starts from closing this gap and actually wanting people to care and to want to be inside the city. So I guess that's where it all started and um, yes, you could say that as a result, unification is something that we do target because our language is um, uh, focusing on it in some ways. Uh, or a lot of other problems, but um, we can't say that that's one. That's the main problem that we're trying to solve. We're very focused on closing these gaps and be- building a uh, sustainable and strong relationships between the city and the local.
0: Between uh, the city and the people who live in uh, in the city. So, um, are you targeting uh, tourists as well, or is this just only? For them? No, no, because um, it's
1: two different businesses. It's not just a translation. And uh, it's it's very more it's more important for us to target our locals and want to empower them so that the tourists can ask them. You know, we I'm not saying that we might not uh, launch an English version of Pia. Then want to target locals, but that's really not our objective right now. because um, there's a lot of work to do, we're not going to be starting that anytime soon. I understand. Uh,
0: so, what about different cities in in the country?
1: Yes, definitely. That's something that we're um, focusing on. And um, we're probably gonna start um, moving
0: and um, going to
1: other cities in ninety eight. So that's next year, okay. two thousand eighteen. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, um, can you explain a little bit more about your application? Because, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, for some of the people that might not know what P L A is, like I want you to kind of explain to me, like when you go inside the application. What do you basically expect to happen?
1: Yeah. okay. So uh, that's a really good question um, right after the other question that I just answered. So I told you about the whole problem and what we're trying to do, but the thing is we realized down the road that um, people cannot resonate with that and um, it's not a need for people who have um, for centuries maybe not practiced living in the city uh, to want to start doing it now. So. Um, we start communicating with them uh, and wanting them to actually pay attention to this and telling them of the benefits of connecting with cities, etc. Then we realize that they just don't care. There's an early, uh, early majority that uh, not an early majority, like some early adapters who do care about this, but they're very few. And if we want to have a mass market penetration, that's not the message just gonna get us there. And then we realize that it's about leisure. It's about um, what you're going to do with your free time and we're just telling you to do it in the city instead of playing with your PlayStation or inviting people to come to your homes or so many other ways that we spend or watching TV series or movies etc whatever just do it in your city and um, to be today especially with the launch of our next version which is coming and which is going to um, get released in a couple of weeks Uh, It's a platform, it's an application, our website's coming up soon also. It's a place where you just go there to find things to do with your free time inside the city. And these things could be recommendations to um, places where you could go to, uh, to eat, to see, to be in a park, to walk, um, to learn stuff in museums. To uh, go to events, these are all types of cultural, -cultural, non-cultural, food, food events, uh, artistic events. Um, Go to galleries. Just um, go uh, photograph photography. Whatever. There are some. Basically, we have up to forty three subcategories of things that you could do in Tehran. Mm -hmm. That we uh, create content. We um, tell people about them, and
0: we basically recommend it to them. So has this, been, has this idea been implemented in, like, other countries, or...? Uh,
1: well, the idea of location-based services, um, so basically, um, in order to know PIADA you must know um, um, what it's formed of. We have a section of where we're listing places. We're recommending, basically, places. So that's a location-based service um, type of application. So similar to that, nationally, we have... Uh, applications like Kiko, Just, Dom, data uh, DataShare, so basically they they're like listing directories. And um, there's a, and our foreign applications, again, Google Maps is doing that um, in another way, Foursquare is doing it in another way, or Yelp is doing it. Um, but that's only one of our offerings. And next to that we have events, where we're basically promoting events, and we're gonna be soon selling tickets of events. And um, so that's, again, nationally, you have Tiva, Eat Concert, et cetera, doing it. And internationally, event box, et cetera, whatever. So many types of businesses that are targeting that market. But again, that's also another part of our offerings. Um, next to that, we have deals. Deals of, again, locations where restaurants, cafes, or stores where they offer deals. And again, business model is similar to, you could say, Groupon or Tachrifon. Um, next to that we have routings, where we have um, city tours. Uh, currently, nationally, we don't have a digital f- uh, format of that. I think we were the one of the first people to start it. But uh, we have the still the old school way of doing it, where you just go to a um, tour agency, or like an um, entertainment agency, guide agency, and you ask them to set you up with a tour, and they take you on an excursion for a day. And um, so that's also, again, one of our offerings and, um, and, and we're also going to be creating um, fun with our own team. So our marketing and experience team is going to start creating packages, short-term packages, where you can uh, experience uh, different activities in the city from the set of curations that we've done. Uh, so all that together makes PIADE and all that together in one platform, in one business, we have not seen uh, which is what, another reason why it took us so long because we've started our business for three and a half years now. Our, basically, you can say we've started our business for three and a half years, but this idea has been in development for three and a half years. And it took us long to realize exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We tested so many different approaches, so many different messages, and uh, we were really focused on building our team and our strategies. But then, um, all together, like in the past six or nine months, it all finally came to us that, okay, so this is what we're supposed to be doing, this is the message. And uh, to what we've established today, this platform that's going to be um, be an offering from Pia that similar to this, we haven't seen yet nationally or internationally.
0: Now, since you're an entrepreneur, I'm just going to ask you this because you had an idea and you let it, just let it go, basically, and you expanded on it and then uh, other people started joining you because they liked the idea very much, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, this is my question, basically. The thing is, I have an idea for an app, for example, just let that be, and uh, so who do I go to, like, you know, as an entrepreneur, fine. Ooh, what is the next step for me? I have a great idea, I want to make that into an app or a website, but I don't really know what to do next.
1: Well, it really depends on what the idea is and what field it's going to be growing in. So, for example, if it's in technology, um, obviously after, uh, so any idea, any business made made out, out of different sections. There's always the business, business side and the business model, uh, there's the technological logistics, there's the design, there's the marketing, there's the sales, there's the all these different departments. And I think as an entrepreneur, you really just have to start with what you have. And, and so what's your uh, distinguishing factor as a person, not as a business. For example, for me, um, I had a background in architecture, so I knew graphic design a little bit. And so I started with designing the application myself. And then I didn't have a background in tech, so I stopped, but I knew obviously this design has to be developed, so I started finding a tech team. I didn't work on the business part of Piella for months, even for like a year, because um, I was really focused on establishing what it is trying to do. And again, something that I was really uh, good at was photography. And um, so I started uh, taking photos. And I started, uh, I was also really good at um, putting concepts together, I guess, like creation side, like I would see something, I would see a cafe and... I knew why that cafe is good today in Tehran because what that design is representing, what that concept is representing, and I could capture that and I could communicate that with people. And so I started with the things that I had, and I I think any entrepreneur has to just start with the things that they have. And then um, with the next step, start realizing what they don't have and what they need to acquire that acquisition could be either through learning or it could be through adding people to their team. Okay, so. Yeah.
0: Okay, fine. So thank you. Thank you for, like, you know, you sharing your experience. Yeah, thank you so much. So you have a very young core, basically, working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they 100% believe in what you're doing?
1: Um, I wouldn't say 100 but I would say with a good... Um, a high level of confidence that they have a lot of belief in what we're doing because that's one of the main um, filtering recruitment factors that we have established here. Um, we uh, definitely want to make sure that the people that we hire either have the same vision or, uh, for example, if they're going to be a developer in our tech team, they really want to be a good developer. and what they believe in is being a really good developer. So their um, objectives in life have to be aligned with our business. Uh, because we know that um, if they're gonna be working for us, they're not gonna be working the way they should be working. And But if we can get them to work for themselves and what they believe in, then they're definitely gonna
0: be working the way they should be working. So, yeah. Fine, uh, so can we uh, give it a little bit of a break? Nice. We'll be back after a message from the sponsor of the year podcast. Hey, so uh, where are Vima? We are at the Vima headquarters. We specialize in building prefabricated and fast-track buildings with more than 50 implemented projects. That's amazing. Yes. During years, Vima has been focused on its values, such as respecting human beings, paying special attention to nature and natural resources, using innovation and new technologies, and of course, increasing the quality of life in construction industry. You can contact us via our website, vima-ir.com. That's uh, vima-ir.com? Yep. That's great, Ima. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Every time I get a confirmation from my guests that they'll be on a podcast, I go onto Twitter and Instagram and ask people if they want to ask a question from the upcoming guest. So I'd like to thank Atober and Fashad Farshad and Shagan Halaj for the great questions they asked. Let's get to them. So I'm going to go into the Instagram questions, basically, Fine. they're not much, but um, they are a little bit challenging, might be challenging for you. And if you want, you can just like say, skip it, but I'm going to answer that question. Yeah. So the first question that comes uh, from uh, is that he says, um, how can an application introduce itself to the market? And uh, what is our market reaction to new applications? new
1: applications in what way, what is
0: it? And like, you know, again, if you have an idea, you're coming coming up with with an app, you know, how, like, what is the reaction of people? okay.
1: So this is a really good question. It's a marketing question, basically. So, um, so, um, before anything, I think, um, we should get some facts straight about marketing. Um, I did not know anything about marketing, but I've learned to love it. And I feel like it's one of the most, um, it's um, the fairest one of all, in my belief. I really enjoy the time that I spend with our marketing team working on ideas and campaigns. And apart from the fact that I take a lot of pleasure in building the app and the design and what it's supposed to be doing, next to that, I love marketing it. The reason for that is because I um, I've realized that marketing is a grand tool for uh, cultural development. And basically, if you use marketing in the right way and not the manipulative way that every marketer or everyone who thinks of marketing thinks of it, uh, you could actually uh, be uh, holding a very powerful weapon where you could start enlightening a lot of people and basically uh, helping them develop. And uh, what we're trying to do here, because the message of our um application because what it's focusing on is in uh, al- aligned with development self development and city development so we actually have no other option but to use it for this tool uh, and it's actually very interesting so uh, basically mm, uh, that that being said um, um I I would la- also like to add to it that um in the modern world today um Become, we've become really immune to marketing messages and sales messages. And so basically the sales uh, message that would work on us 50 years ago definitely not works today. So um, customers have become more and more aware of the fact that people are trying to sell them stuff and are trying to manipulate them. And so they've started responding less. Whereas they have started responding more to corporations or organizations who actually have a valuable message to deliver, so you today you actually need to start talking and you need to start communicating with values in, in opposed to, uh, what you're missing out on. I can give you this, so so that you don't miss out on it anymore. So, um, all that being said, um, the there's actually a very um logical way of um basically. could say decoding the market Mm -hmm. and that is the fact that every market has a potential way of um, interacting with a new product it's called the diffusion adoption curve I think and um, it's a very um, I I wouldn't say scientific but you could say a well-established approach where every market whether it's a market size of a hundred people or like hundreds of millions like a hundred million people It has a very specific way of adopting a new product. It goes like this, Uh, 2% of that market are innovators towards that product. So they are the first layer of people who would actually go for that product. They have a very specific way of um, interacting with the products that they like. And um, for example, the people who first started buying the iPhone uh, were very big risk takers. Uh, They wanted to be leaders in that industry, which was a technology industry. And uh, they um, had high po- uh, they had big pockets, so basically they could afford to put their money on something that has net yet not been proven valuable. Okay. Uh, after that, two percent, there's a thirteen to eighteen percent who are early adopters. So uh, early adopters are also very risk- big risk takers. Uh, they're usually leaders in their industry. So I would listen to an early adopter. Uh, whereas, I may not be an opinionated person myself in the field of technology, but for example, my friend, Pan knows a lot about technology, so he's usually an opinion leader, so if he tells me something, I will listen to him. Mm-hmm. And um, these people, um, are the, the how they are distinguished from the innovators is that they actually do read reviews, and they take a, li- a little bit of time thinking about it, but a lot less time thinking about it than the other the, the people who come in the following. So after this 13 to 18%, and you're actually gonna start entering a mass market. And it's divided into early majority, early majority and late majority. Each of them represent 34% of your market size. Uh, the early majority, and this actually tip from uh, the conversion from uh, the early adopters to the early majority, uh, only happens if you have the early majority by your side, early adopters by your side, telling the early majority that they should use your product. So usually um, people, consumers, never listen. I'm not not gonna say never, but 50% of them don't really care about what you're telling them about your product, but they care about what others are saying about it. So what you need to do as a business, you can um, really engineer this, and if you're smart about it, you should enter your market step by step Along the way, not only getting the innovators to use your product, but to start talking about it, to start creating engagement around your product, to be your evangelist basically. And then, after you have your innovators, you should focus on your early adapters. And after that, you need to get your early adapters to start engaging with your product and start writing reviews and start, for example, in our applications, these are the people who we need to be our. review writers or our commentators or the ones that need to add locations to Piada, and all these different things that we can get them to do. In addition to that, all of them have high and social networking tools. We want them to start talking about Piada on their social network. We are going to encourage them to do that, and if they start doing that, then we have a good chance of getting the early majority, early majority to basically join our community. But if they don't do that, we're not going to be able to win. So again, like any other marketing uh, efforts, which is um, not being done correctly, especially in Iran, uh, the way that we market our products today in this country is very wrong. For example, how many billboards billboards have you seen where you are seeing the product for the first time on that billboard and you have never heard of it? And that is not really gonna resonate with you because you're just gonna hear about, okay, the market awareness might drastically increase to like five million, in a day, but how much conversion is that going to bring for your product? How many actual users or customers are you going to gain? And um, so obviously that's just throwing away money. You need to start small, step by step, like in small baby steps. You need to be true to your customers, really tell them what you're going to be giving them, why they should be using you, why they should be trusting you, and get them to start talking about you. And if you become successful in that, you can start building a sustainable business.
0: Yes. Exactly. So, so um, like, as a podcaster, I, I should just continue what I'm doing and just hope for people to Yeah, enjoy. I think
1: you should just continue what you're doing and you should get people, like, for mm-hmm. example, um, in opposed to going to spe- uh, speaking with someone who's um, very um, popular, like, he's a big public figure, but doesn't really care about your podcast at all but just getting them on board because you think it's going to bring you engagement, go and talk to someone who's less of a public figure but cares about your podcast. So after their interview with you, they would go and sit and talk about it. They would go, I just met this guy today. He's so interested what he's doing and this and that. Yeah, this is his Instagram page and you should start following him. I like his podcast. So um, the way the cities are built bottom-up, the way that communities are built, relationships are built bottom-up, again, marketing is also built bottom-up. You can't just put it on the table and be like, this is it, look at it. You should make them want to think that they thought
0: about looking at it themselves, okay. yeah. Fine, thank you, again, very thorough explanation. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, the next question uh, is from Atal Benengian, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. And he says, what is your business model? I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, you know, sure if you can, like, if you don't want to answer that, it's completely okay. fine. And do you actually make money from uh, PLA?
1: Okay, that's a very good question. It's recently I've been, answering a lot of those questions. And before I go ahead and answer first I'm gonna answer it, then I'm gonna add this comment to it. Uh, So our business model is uh, from the revenue that we are going to start generating from um, local businesses. We give them services where they can start connecting with their target audience, create content, and basically get their advertisement out there and uh, start building meaningful relationships with their customers. Uh, Marketing offers, basically, to local businesses. Uh, it's a very good revenue model um, and uh, we're going to be creating a lot of revenue from it and we're going to be turning it into profitability in the next uh, 12 months, 12 to 16 months. and uh, But we haven't started this, um, basically we haven't started generating revenue from Pieta for the first three years and we're just starting this model in day. The reason behind that is that uh, the, actually the comment part that I'm going to add to this question. Um, The reason is that, um, well, I always go ahead and uh, explain this, saying that what's the difference between an entrepreneur and uh, versus like a businessman or a tajer, I don't know the English terms of tajer, koseb, or even dallo. There's a difference between these people. Yes, all of them are going to be working on businesses, all, all of them are going to be generating revenues, and all of them are going to be having customers. But what are they actually supposed to do? I uh, expect a businessman and a intelligent concept to be focusing on creating revenue from either um, companies that they've been given to through their parents or stores that they've been given to or skills that they have and they feel like that could actually help them and make ends meet. But a job of, of an entrepreneur is not to do that. A job of an entrepreneur is to see the problems that are in the current social, economical situations that we're living and to actually want to target, um, working on those problems through innovative ways. Today, it's mostly technology because technology has been proven to, to be very scalable. And scalable means targeting the problem in a much bigger, with much bigger efforts, and and affecting that many more people into wanting to um, live a better life. Uh, but the job of an entrepreneur is not. Their purpose in life is not to make money. Their purpose in life is to have a vision. One, and usually that vision is aligned with making the world, a segment of the world, a better place in the industry that they think they have a talent and they have a vision in. And one of, the, um, uh, one of the benefits of becoming successful with that vision is that you may end up making a lot of money. But we never had people like, for example, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, or Elon Musk going that, I want to wake up today and I want to make a lot of money. Uh, They had visions. They wanted to make products where it changed the lives of you and me today. And yes, because their visions were very right and because they worked there, um, basically, um, (laughs) they worked very hard for it in order to, in order to get their products out there in the market and what their solution offering was a very correct solution offering, they started making billions and billions of dollars. So I think it's very important for us to... I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that... Uh, what was his name? atta, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say Atta's question is um, out of context, but I really want to create this awareness generally within our city and society is that entrepreneurs are not here to make money, and the ones who are here to make money are, I think, wasting their time of being an entrepreneur. They can just go ahead and just make a business, create... Um, Like, basically, stop with the drama and just focus on making the money. But um, an ecosystem that's reserved for entrepreneurs is a place where people with um, um, all these d'actares, like, all these, um, they have uh, concerns for the world. They have visions for the world. They're here to work on them day and night, and that's what they're trying to achieve.
0: Okay, so like, um, how? Because the people who are working here, they need to be paid.
1: Yeah. So basically, what we've done is that we were focusing on our uh, bigger problem, and we uh, had an option to start generating revenue very, very early on. And uh, we actually started doing it, but then we um, realized that it's gonna all our effort is going on generating revenue versus creating the right solutions and right messages and right infrastructure and right growth pattern and strategies. And that this is going to turn us into a very short-term Instagram-based business, whereas this is going to take us where we need to be going. So we stopped generating our revenue, start focusing on um, building our roots and our infrastructure and our working on our solutions in the market. And uh, we then realized um, that it actually um, it was it was proved to be a much better strategy. And because we are very... Um, uh, lucky to be working in an industry where the concept of an investor is a well-known concept. We had a- angel investors very early on. They supported us with the funds, and very recently we we've uh, had a crowdfunding campaign where we're going to be working with um, VCs. And thank God that a lot of well-known VCs have uh, wanted to invest in PLD at a valuation that um, is um, I'm not gonna say it's too generous, but it's um, something that makes me happy at the end of the day and. Um, um, basically, it's showing that uh, the fact that we didn't just go to revenue straight off and decided to focus on a business that has a lot of future and opposed to a short-term outcome was something that at the end of the day, even investors, people who, who are here to make money, were
0: on board with. So again, like the people who are working at the moment, they are thinking of the future, basically. Yeah, but
1: everyone's getting paid. We have a very high cost, monthly cost, burn rate, and uh, uh, our angel investor is paying get up oh, And cool. obviously they're getting shares, and currently uh, the money that they've spent in Piada today is worth three times more than it, they actually spent.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing. And uh, I think this is going to be the last question. Okay, I have asked this question on the podcast, uh, Had uh, sorry, says uh, basically where, uh, where, where this idea came from, so I, I think we've talked about this yeah, on the podcast, and um, somebody has has a very funny question, I'm going to ask this question, uh, but they have asked me not to mention their names, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, they have asked if you are single.
1: Uh, no, I have a boyfriend.
0: Okay, I yeah, see. So there you go. A, a four years. years. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I understand. Okay, fine. So uh, thank you so much. I, I think I had a question. Yes, uh, this is going to be the last question I'm going to ask you. I don't
1: think it's fair that they asked me the, this question and I can't know their name.
0: Fine, I can tell you after the podcast. <laughs> yes, I guess. Yeah, I can't tell you right now. Because uh, like you know, this is gonna be like you know, I don't want to backstab them. Uh, You know, this is the first time i asked people to uh, you know ask me questions. Okay. Fine. So um, you are living in a country which is not like you know a lot of uh, we have a lot of women basically working in this country that are thinking that they are like you know. Uh, they should be at a place that they're not right now so they're thinking of the great future which is ahead and i can see that a lot of things are changing at the moment like you know uh, like you know as a nation we are valuing women more and that's that's amazing to see fine Uh, i'm uh, i'm I'm not going to call them feminists or anything i'm just going to call them some people who think and they understand the fact that women and men should be equal fine so i but well, we don't really have a lot of successful women in this country and but and you could be like you know one of the few um, do you think like you've had a lot of <laughs> you okay do you think that you've had a lot of like you know obstacles to overcome to become uh, you know the successful
1: um, well because this is also something that I really like commenting on I honestly don't feel like there's any obstacle out there for uh-huh. wanting to work as a woman exactly. in business or any yeah. other field. Because maybe there was, obviously there was like 50 years ago, for Iran, yes, 20 years ago, Um, for the States, like, yes, in the 1950s, the circumstances were different. But today, internationally, I'm not going to say internationally, but I know that our nation is one of those nations that pretty much um, has... um, uh, d- uh, doesn't have the legal restrictions anymore, but the restrictions are mostly in the mindset of the woman, still there. Okay. And like you said, um, the, we have a lot of people thinking that they should be in positions, but they're not. Okay. And the only reason, I maybe a lot of people are not going to like what I'm going to say, but the only reason is because they have not tried hard enough to get there. <laughs> I really don't feel like there are that many restrictions for a woman out there to not want to be able to achieve what you can achieve today. Uh, I actually think there are a lot of opportunities for women out there because of, of the fact that we've all become gender uh, e- equality aware. Um, some, you can see some men and companies or and organiz- organizations giving uh, room, uh, have, being forced to give room to women because they don't want to uh, be questioned as places where they don't uh, see fairness in this. So you also have a lot of opportunities where you're actually not supposed to be getting that opportunity but you're getting it just because you're a woman. So when you're living in these kind of circumstances, when um, you have phrases like ladies first always, hearing it constantly, I really don't think that you should think that there are that many obstacles and I think you should get out there and fight for it. If you look at what happened in America, uh, I would say like In the 50s, yes, you had lots of women who their mindset was set on the fact that we should go to college and that we should go and find a beautiful husband and make beautiful children and just have a happy life. And they were very happy. And obviously, yes, there were a lot of social concerns around that and social problems. But then you uh, had the women who we could today call them feminists, I guess, who started a movement and started showing the world that they can also add values And not only did they start a movement, they actually did that. They actually started adding values. And they, so you had those women who would protest, but then you had those women who were working, who were working very hard, balancing between wanting to be a mother and wanting to be a wife and wanting to be a successful person and have a successful career. And those are the women today who are on the list of Fortune 500 companies with very powerful positions. And those women today standing in those positions have completely uh, wiped the concern of any human being in America, whether if a woman can be successful or not, because they showed that they can be successful. But those protests don't show a woman success, they just say that we want to be heard. Okay, one, I think enough people have heard us, I think it's time for us to show that we can be successful. And I feel like there's still a lot to do and focus on that in Iran. And I hope that um, me telling people this can encourage them and actually remove that layer of fear that they may have. And um, they should see the obstacles as an obstacle for a human being and not for one. Everyone is gonna have obstacles in any career path that they choose.
0: So they should just work hard? They They should work hard, yeah. It's, It's great to see that people like you exist because Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, there will be a lot of people, you know, listening to this podcast saying, no, that's not true, like, I've had my own experience, yeah. Yeah,
1: we've had, um, actually, I'm not going to say, I'm saying this is my experience, and um, we've uh, had conversations with other female entrepreneurs where they actually have different experiences. They've actually hands-on experienced the fact that uh, they've been discriminated, but I haven't. And um, the fact that I've been privileged not to have that experience Makes me strong and makes me be able to say this today. But I think that this message, message, the message that I'm saying, should also be heard. We should stop focusing on the obstacles and start thinking of all the opportunities that we can create for ourselves as a human being, and whether it's a woman or a man. Okay. So well, thank, thank you.
0: you. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, do you have anybody in mind that you want to invite to the podcast and talk? Mm-hmm. You know, have them talk to me.
1: Well, uh, I don't have anybody in mind, but I have a topic in mind. And I think a topic um, coming hand hand in hand with the topic of uh, unification comes the topic of communities. And I think that that another thing that our social um, life doesn't have in Iran is that we don't have strong communities, diverse communities. And that's something I think that all of us could benefit from if you do find the right person who can talk about that. Okay, yeah, I understand. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for the time, Shane. Thank you. Great conversation. God, time flies. Um, I wanted to take a break in the middle of the conversation, but when I finally did, I realized we've been talking for 40 or so minutes. You don't get tired of listening to someone who has the desire to express themselves. I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in.